We find ourselves this morning in the book of Luke in chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse 25. If you have your Bibles, would you look down and read along with me? And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Well, we already know the first problem in this verse is there's a lawyer involved. Verse 20, I hope there's no lawyers here this morning. You're not going to like this message. Verse 26, he said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and, all, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. This do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And it's a trap. He's taunting the Lord. He's mocking him. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite when he was at the place came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But there was a certain Samaritan as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Father, help us this morning as we look into this passage of Scripture. We think about missions. We think about reaching people, boys and girls and men and women, around this globe with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, would you help us to fulfill that great commission that you've given us? And would you help us in this hour, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, from reading this passage of Scripture, you know there's multiple stories in the Bible that people know. You can ask people, a lot of people know, yeah, they know the story about Noah, and they know the story about, uh, about David and Goliath. But if you move them over into the New Testament... Most of the world can tell you the story in the Bible about the Good Samaritan. It's one of the most well-known stories in the Bible, and it transcends, uh, transcends cultures and crosses borders of almost every country. Just about everywhere you've ever traveled, people have heard the story of the Good Samaritan. In years past, even our public government schools talked the story of the Good Samaritan. Everyone here that's my age, and I see there's a lot of us, I, I can always tell when there's my people in the house, and it's because if you don't know us, if you don't know our age group, here's how you, you can find us if you can hear us talking. We're always talking about what the doctor's going to do to us next and what medicines we take, but that's how you find us. And I know there's some of my people here in the house, and those people that are my people, I can tell you, when we were children, we went to a public school, and we were taught the story of the Good Samaritan. In every state of our nation, there are Good Samaritan laws that, that protect us if we help others. Patty and I, one afternoon late, 
was flying back into Atlanta, Georgia. About two rows behind us, we noticed there was commotion and discovered that there was a woman in medical distress. It got to the point that the pilot came over the intercom system and he asked if there was a doctor on board or a nurse on board. Boy, that got my attention. So eventually a man shows up and he introduces himself as a doctor and then a lady shows up and introduces herself as a nurse and they were able to render medical assistance to the woman uh, before we landed. And the way they were able to do that is because they were protected by good Samaritan laws. Just about everyone knows the story of the Good Samaritan. Well, notice with me in our text that the first person we come upon is the lawyer. Notice in verse 25, the Bible says a certain lawyer who tempted or taunted the Lord. The lawyer is portraying himself to the crowd as wanting to know how to inherit eternal life. But from his attitude and his manner, we find that he is actually mocking the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you notice with me in verse 29, this same lawyer hopes to justify himself. And Jesus decides to tell the lawyer and now the gathering crowd a story of the most unlikely characters. We look down in verse 30 and we find the first character. The Bible says, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. This certain man, he might have been Jewish and maybe he was traveling from his home in Jerusalem and going down to Jericho and somewhere on that road, thieves ambushed him and jumped on him and, and beat him and took all his belongings and, and disrobed him, took everything and left him on the side of the road as being half dead. The second character or characters that we find in this passage of Scripture is also found in verse 30. The Bible says, And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. I don't know what, exactly what half dead means. I know my mama told me one time, I'm going to beat you half to death. And I can tell you that's not a good thing. I've already experienced that. So I don't know what it means to be half dead, but I do know what it means to be beat half to death. And she did it, and it was something I did not enjoy. Well, these thieves had absolutely no mercy on, we call him, certain man. They had no mercy on certain man. They robbed him of all that he had. And they tossed him aside as a piece of garbage and left him on the side of the road. And they did not care whether he lived or whether he died. Well, then we come to this third character. It's the priest. Would you look down with me in verse 31? In verse 31, the Bible says, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, this would have been a highly respected individual in their community. He represents their religion and he represents all their traditions. Surely this priest, being religious, could easily justify himself and inherit eternal life. Remember, that's what all this is about, this whole discussion. And now this crowd is growing larger and larger and larger. But this whole discussion is about a man being able to justify himself before God and inherit eternal life. Well, Jesus tells the crowd that the priest 
sees the wounded, beaten man. And not only does he ignore him, but he crosses over to the other side of the road as if he can't be bothered, as if he can't become involved with certain man. We get down to the fourth character. We find him in verse 32. This fourth character is a Levite, probably another lawyer. Verse 32, and likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Here we have a man that upholds the law and defends those who have been abused by others. He helps those who are unable to help themselves. He defends the innocent. Surely this lawyer will be the one who can justify himself and inherit eternal life. But he sees the wounded man, but instead of helping him, he crosses over to the other side of the road. He hasn't any time to spend to help Mr. Certain Man. And it doesn't appear that Certain Man has any means for which to pay for the lawyer's services. Well, then we come down to the fifth character, the Good Samaritan. Look with me in verse 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, poured in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Now when Jesus uses the words, Good Samaritan, he might as well have slapped this young lawyer in the face. We know that the Jews had no dealing with the Samaritans. The Samaritans were considered half-breeds. They were descendants of those Jews who had married the Syrians. Jews looked down on Samaritans and hated them. Yet this is the only individual that stopped and helped the man that was beaten and left for dead, Mr. Certain Man. I'm sure by now this lawyer is wishing that he had never attempted to make Jesus look foolish. His intent was to make a mockery of Jesus, and this event would be told and retold throughout the market. But this would have made his business boom. Everyone would know this is the lawyer who outmaneuvered Jesus. But things aren't going as he planned. All he wants to do now is slip out of this crowd before anyone even recognizes that he is gone. Down in verse 36, Jesus confronts this lawyer with a question. And now he has no choice but to answer it truthfully. The crowd is growing larger and larger, larger and there is no escaping Jesus now. And now every eye is on him and watching him here in this marketplace where he, this crowd has grown. And Jesus asks him, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Jesus was able to get this young lawyer to acknowledge that being religious or being rich is not the way to inherit eternal life and that no one is able to justify themselves before God. Now in all this going back and forth, and with all these characters, I know there's a host of biblical principles that are taught in this passage of Scripture. But I just want to share one of them with you. And that one key ingredient of missions is this. Compassion. Compassion. Christ gives us the example down in verse 33. 
He says, but a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Notice the statement at the end of the verse, he had compassion on him. Even the world cannot deny this example. Compassion is what makes us a living example of who we are in Christ. It is the one generic characteristic that we have and that the world recognizes that comes from our Heavenly Father. I will say this, without compassion, no one is ever going to believe what you say as a Christian. Now, I'm going to make a confession here. I will confess that one of my shortcomings is in this area. I've been in the ministry for over 40 years and I've seen every scam. I've heard every story that eventually ends in asking for money. And I'll confess to you that yes, I am a little bit of a skeptic. When I served on staff at People's Baptist Church, I'm the one that David McCoy would send if someone came in. And they seem to always come in after this preaching. And they, you know, they, they start with their story. I'm the one they send because I'm the one who trusts no one. Sad to say. And I will tell you this, in 13 years of ministry, I only met one legitimate case. And I'm sad to say that I almost didn't catch it. I'm ashamed of that. I was so convicted that I asked the Lord to forgive me and help me to exhibit compassion. So what am I supposed to do? My, in my personality, I'm a little bit of a skeptic. But Jesus says, if I'm to be effective, if effective at winning others to Christ, He says, I must have compassion. I discovered this word compassion occurs some 39 times in the Scripture. I'll give you four of my favorite ones here quickly. I'll just read them for you. Psalms chapter 78, But he, was, he being full of compassion forgave his iniquity. Psalms chapter 86 and verse 15, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. And then Jude, verse 22, And if some have compassion, making a difference. If you truly want to show the world that you personally have a walk with God, you must have compassion on others. Lost people don't care how often you go to church. They don't care how often you read your Bible. They don't care how well-dressed you are. But if you want to get the world's attention, show compassion. Several years ago, when we were missionaries down the islands, I was a missionary pilot and a church planner. I had flown into Nassau, the main island in the Bahamas. I had flown somebody that was sick and needed to see a doctor. So we flew in our airplane, and I'm the last airplane that's leaving back out of Nassau, headed home, and I've got 200 miles to fly over ocean. They have particular laws in other countries about flying. You're not allowed to fly at night in the Bahamas unless this an emergency. Now, they may have changed that rule now, but that was the rule when we lived there. I go out, and I'm the last plane getting ready to leave, and, and I don't know why we called him Junior, but Junior had the truck over in front of my airplane, and he's fueling up my airplane. I said, top it off. I need every ounce I can get. While he's fueling my airplane, he says, he says hey, Rev. Now, that's what they called me. Hey, Rev, do you see that couple sitting over there? 
And I looked over there and I see a young lady sitting on the suitcase holding a bouquet of flowers. The man, young man standing beside her has his hand on her shoulder trying to comfort her. She's holding a bouquet of flowers and she's been there a while and she's been crying because there is mascara everywhere, everywhere. I said, what's, what's the story over there? He says, well, apparently they got married this morning. They flew in here, but their flight was late and they missed the flight going to your island. Now, go, when I say going to my island, there's two runways on our island. There's one where we live, and 60 miles on the north end of the island, there's another airport up there. That's where they were going. He said, is there any way you can help them? He says, look at them. They're your people. He meant they're from the States. He says, you probably even know them. No, I don't know them. <laughs> and so I walked over, and I began to talk with them, and I said, come on. Come on. And they came. We, I loaded their luggage, and we took off. Now, they're a little suspicious. They're in an airplane with a guy they've never met before. Number one, you should never get in a car with somebody you don't know. But number two, don't get in an airplane just because a guy walks up to you and tells you to come on. I got him in the airplane because I knew if I witnessed to him back on the ground, they weren't going to talk to me. Got him in the airplane, got everything settled down, turned the autopilot on, and turned around and said, hey, let me tell you what I do down here. I'm a preacher down here. I tell people how to trust Christ as their Savior. By the way, have you ever trusted Christ? And then I messed up a little bit because I said, by the way, if you were to die today, <laughs> if this plane, if we don't reach, if we don't reach the island, I mean, we're out, it's growing dark. And we're out over the ocean. We're the last flight of the day that, that left Nassau. I said, if you were to die today, do you know for sure you would go to heaven? And I, I, I was able to speak to them for the next 20, 30 minutes, and they listened. And I was able to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I'm going to tell you, they didn't care how much. The reason why they listened to me was not necessarily because they got a free flight out of it. It wasn't because they needed to get there and there was no other choice. But I'm going to tell you, the reason why they listened to me in the airplane was because I showed some compassion on them. Well, Jesus, not only does he give us an example, but apparently the Lord Jesus gives us a command. Look down in verse 37. He says, go and do thou likewise. Apparently, compassion is not an option. It is a command. You say, well, Brother Saunders, wait a minute. That was 2,000 years ago. Do you have any idea how dangerous it is out there in our world today? Well, apparently things haven't changed all that much because the Jericho Road was infested with murderers and thieves when this man was robbed and beaten. So the Bible doesn't command us to be foolish, but it does command us to be compassionate. You say, Brother Saunders, now wait a minute, this, this just kind of sounds like, it sounds like, it has the, I can hear it, it sounds like this is going to cost us something. Well, it did cost the Good Samaritan something, and I will tell you this, yes, it's going to cost us something. Each month when we give the missions, we can reach others with the gospel. Patty and I, we give our faith promise each month at our local church, People's Baptist Church. But we must all go beyond giving and purposely look for opportunities to exhibit the compassion of our Savior. Brother McCoy came to me one afternoon. He says, Brother Saunders, i got to run over to the Home Depot. You want to come? Well, I'm not turning down a trip to Home Depot or Harbor Freight or Lowe's. 
I'm just saying, I'm not turning those trips down. So we drove over there, and when we drove over there, sitting off to the side in the parking lot, I saw a young, a Hispanic young man sitting there, and he looked like he had lost his last friend. I told preacher, I said, look, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over here and talk to this guy. You go on in the store, I'm going to go over here and talk to him. I went over there, and I, I'm dressed pretty much the way I am right now, and I went over there, and I said, I said, how you doing? And when I said, how you doing, he expected for me to pull out a, a badge and say, I'm immigration. He was ready to run. He looked around behind him. He wanted to know, what, what's the trap? What's the trap? There was no trap. Well, there was a little bit of one. But he was on guard and he was suspicious. But after speaking to him for a few minutes, he began to settle down. And he told me that someone had promised him work. And at our Home Depot, there's a lot of men that will meet there. And if you need somebody for labor, they just come. They'll drive through and pick you up. And then you go work for them. And he was waiting for someone that told him they needed help. He'd been in that parking lot all day long. And now we're getting near the end of the day. I asked him, I said, have you had anything to eat since you've been here? He said, no. I pulled out a bill and gave it to him. I said, there's Burger King right there. I ate at Burger King. By the way, all people my age eat at Burger King, and that's why we got this heart problem we got. I've already had mine taken out, rebuilt, and put back in. So, But when I, started, when I handed him the bill, he started to reach for it. Then he got suspicious all over again, and here's what he asked me. He said, why are you doing this for me? And I was able to share the gospel of why I was doing it. I put a gospel track in his hand and he listened. And he listened to me not because I was a preacher, not because I was dressed in a suit, but he listened to me because I showed him compassion. Each of us know that Christ, each of us know that we have that generic characteristic if we've trusted in Christ, that characteristic of compassion. It's given to us from our Heavenly Father. The question I want to place before us all the day, are we exhibiting compassion on your job? Do your workers see the compassion of Christ in you? In your home, does your family see you exhibit the compassion of Christ? You already know the Lord's working on me about this. We must have compassion. The world does not recognize us when we act and react just like them. But there is one thing that gets their attention fairly quick. It makes them sit up and take notice. And that is when they see compassion. And they realize that the only way an individual can have compassion that it comes from God. One preacher said it this way, the world does not care how much you know until they know how much you care. The Bible says, and of some have compassion making a difference. Do you want to make a difference? Do you want to make a difference in this world? We look around and yes, we see everything that's taking place. In the Sunday school class this morning, we heard all these things that are taking place. We know we're nearing the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know the rapture is imminent. It could happen any moment. Any moment. Brother Baker is just wishing and praying that it happens before tomorrow morning. And I understand that fully. 
But I'm going to tell you this. If we're going to be effective, if we're going to be effective soul winners, if we're going to be able to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ, that one ingredient must show forth. We must have compassion. And of some making a difference, compassion. It's all about compassion. Would you bow your heads with me?